Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I'm on here with my good buddies, Byron Jabara and Gary Hall. This is episode 301. Uh, we're going to have Greg Diamond on the episode today. Uh, he trains jujitsu, does a little grappling, but he also has produced an athletic supporter that looks to be rock solid. And uh, if that's something you wear and you're looking for a better one, check it out. Uh, Gary, Byron, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Excited for another show. And uh, really uh, got done talking to Craig Diamond a little bit ago and really enjoyed getting to know him. Uh, you know, as a, as a person in the industry, and he's also a grappler, so we have a lot to talk about as far as jujitsu, and really something that I've kind of, uh, you know, as far as like wearing a cup or that sort of protection, I, I tr- I've done it, I've tried it, I didn't like it, it's uncomfortable, I took it off the shelf, and I don't really worry about it, and and now because of something like Craig, um, it's now possible to wear a cup and not uh, be uncomfortable. So I'm excited to bring this interview to you guys, Gary. How you doing? I am doing great. I am ready for another uh, quality episode, like quality H2O of the BJJ Brick Podcast. Speaking of quality, what we like on this show is everything we bring you is high quality. <laughs> we've, we've, got a couple, we've got a couple of audiobooks that are extremely high quality. Six Games for BJJ and your first year in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. If you're in your first year of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, even if you're near the end of it, Byron has put together an audiobook that will be very helpful to you. Help you choose the right school, help you choose the right gear, help you realize, help you to figure out what things are important to focus on and, and what things maybe you can worry about later. So uh, check it out. Uh, Byron, anything in there I missed? Nope. Uh, it, I did my best in making uh, our audiobooks, and, and uh, hopefully they're of high quality. And if you enjoy audio content and jujitsu, I hope that they help you along your way. Byron, you're, uh, Joe, you talked about Byron's audiobook uh, gear. It uh, helps you, you know, pick your gear. And, and part of your gear is going to come uh, in a form of an athletic supporter. So uh, great show. Uh, Byron, you may have to do an appendage after the show and after talking with Craig. Uh, <laughs> may have to put something in there. And Joe, I don't mean appendage like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Joe just chuckling in the background. Wow. <laughs> that train is derailed very fastly, very quickly. So Protect protect your appendages with uh, Diamond MM. <laughs> yeah. It, okay, so uh, quickly now, if you're in a, if you're driving, not the time, but if you're at the office or doing something where you can hop online, check out diamondmma.com. And just pull that up, and it's going to start rolling a video of, of uh, the use of the cup. And they're not just t- doing, like, typical uh, things. They're kind of put into some extreme use. It's pretty crazy and entertaining to watch. So, uh, yeah, that's that's something but you I should mean, do before the interview gets started if you can. Otherwise, you'll be yeah. fine. But it's pretty fun to watch. But, I mean, for the person being filmed, uh, for the person being on the receiving end, you really – better have a quality product, uh, you know, and that's the, the Diamond MMA Cup um, to actually take a steel bar and bricks and a sledgehammer to uh, to it. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be the 
you know, there's no way I would volunteer if I wasn't 100% confident in that product. Yeah. If, if You know what? You guys are fans of the BJJ Brick podcast. Uh, the cup has defeated the brick. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Dang it. We got to start chose, all over. <laughs> we chose the wrong thing. But you know, we'll have time for that during the during the interview. I do want to tell you guys about an off the mat lesson that will kind of drag onto the mat, and and I've I've talked about it several weeks back about a, a book by uh, Daniel Coyle, uh, uh, New York Times bestselling author we've had on the show way back when. Uh, his his newest book is the Culture Code, where he talks about uh, developing a culture in a place. It could be a gym or a work environment or you know a school, whatever a team and developing cultures that lead to success or that lead to kind of a toxic environment. Like he looks looks at everything and and what happens and why these things happen. And the start of the book, he he does such a great job of sharing really interesting stories and, and studies. He, he gives, um, he didn't do this. He finds a study where they have groups of, of like college students, Stanford university, California, or like Tokyo. And they get a group of four students and they give them, 20 pieces of uncooked spaghetti, one yard of transparent tape, one yard of string, and a standard-sized marshmallow. And, and the goal is to get the marshmallow as high up as you can using these materials. And there's four students, and they, they go to work, and they try to figure this out. They do the same thing with kindergartners. They give these, these same you know, four kindergartners the same materials and, and see who could make it, you know, the marshmallow be highest off the ground. And if you were to bet who would, which team would be likely to win, you'd be like, well, it'd be Stanford, or would it be, um, you know, the University of Tokyo, or whatever. The kindergartners smoke these adults. Yeah, on average, in dozens of trials, uh, the kindergartners average uh, 26 inches tall with their structures, and it's that's 10 more inches. So you're looking at like uh, you know, 16 inches tall with the with the college kids and their structures. It's not that those kindergartners are obviously not small, t- smarter, or more educated. It's, it's just they approach it differently. They kind of play with it. While all these college kids are coming in with strategies and, and these game plans, these kindergartners coming in and just testing stuff out and getting down to work. And, 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 and the way they communicate with each other is important as well. And, and they share ideas and, and this sort of thing. I'm just, I, I read this, and it's just so amazing that these kindergartners have a better process for getting the result than the college kids. And then you look at jiu-jitsu... What kind of process are you wanting to get out of your gym? Do you want to have people that come up with their own techniques and develop their own games? Do you want to have elite athletes or do you want to have you know, people that are having fun? Whatever. You need to engineer the, the culture and the structure of the room to get those things. And uh, it, it's, it's a great book and, and uh, I really enjoy reading it. I've read it twice. <laughs> so it, it's, it's something that is just a great example. With It's not always the technique. It's not always, you know, you know, who trains hardest. A lot of it is the culture of the room. And the culture of those kindergartners it was to get a hold of something, start playing with it, start experimenting with it. The culture of the adults, uh, it was more to strategize, to look at it, to draw some little maps out on paper or whatever, try to figure it out that way. And the kindergartners had a high, much higher rate of success. And I was really blown away by that story. Byron, Man, that's actually- really... I actually participated in that in a, uh, <laughs> I really did. And, uh, I've done this twice now in, uh, different, uh, uh, classes, uh, you know, that I've done business wise. And, uh, 
I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's one thing they were saying that the, the kids did better. Um, and uh, I got to admit, I didn't do very good either time. And uh, G- Gary's you know, was my- one of the few groups that their their little uh, marshmallow ended up under the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot harder than it seems, and uh, you know to keep that. Uh, um, you know, I know Byron has this problem, but to keep it up, you know, to keep that thing standing high, standing tall, it uh, <laughs> doesn't do very well. But the one thing I do think is a little different in this one, you were talking about, you know, on the mat too, a jujitsu. And, and I know Joe will agree with me on this because Joe has went to numerous kindergarten classes and Joe has wiped the mat with those kids. So, uh, you know, they may be better at building marshmallows and spaghetti sticks, but Joe did wipe the mat with them, you know, training jujitsu with them. So kudos to Joe. Only because I train smart, I let them wear themselves out first. You know, I sit the first couple rounds out. When I see them start to get winded, that's when I pounce. It's my only only chance with those guys. Hey, you're smarter. Good job. Yep. Yep. That was a great lesson, Byron. And as you were talking about it, I was thinking one of the things that I see in some gyms that I kind of think is a sign of a good, healthy culture is – after class, you know, people are working on some things, they're drilling some things, maybe there's an upper belt out there holding a little class after class and explaining some things. But I also like when you see white belts that are sort of just uh, workshopping, brainstorming, and sometimes you watch them and it's like the blind leading the blind. You know, they've got crazy ideas and, oh, I saw this on YouTube or I saw this or I went to this seminar six months ago. And I think it's a, a sign of a good culture when they're comfortable enough to have these conversations and, and, and do this and not worried about people being judgmental and nobody's going to come in and take over their little conversation. But I also think it's great. Like they don't really even know all the rules yet of, of how to train and what you need to learn first. And, you know, sometimes we get into that, like you got to learn this, this, this. They don't know all that. They're just learning. And and I imagine that that's why the kindergartners win is because they're not uh, constrained by uh, previous notions and stuff. And so, yeah, I, lo- I love to see white belts just kind of start figuring things out and brainstorm with each other. And so great point. Yeah. Like you were talking about that, Joe, about the culture of the gym and white belts, uh, you know, just trying stuff and, and they're comfortable enough to even just talk about stuff like that. And, you know, I think sometimes we worry too much what people are saying about us and, you know, having a strong gym, uh, like you said, uh, we don't worry about it. We're, there's no constraints. We're just going to try it. We don't care what somebody says about it. And, you know, that brings me back to, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, one of Joe's favorite people. But what she said one time is you wouldn't worry so much about other, what others think about you or, Sorry, I'm butchering this thing, but Eleanor said, you wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. And, uh, you know, uh, Byron, take that away. Tell me what you think about that quote. Yeah, I really like that quote. Uh, Really, people think about uh, themselves more often than anything else. And maybe the few people that they, that they interact with every day, like, you know, spouses or siblings or, you know, that sort of a relationship. Uh, if you're worried about what your coworkers thinking about you or the person you sat next to on the bus or whatever, they probably aren't thinking about you very much. Like they think about you when you're there next to them. And then when you leave, they probably think about you as much about as, as often as you're thinking about them or probably a lot less. <laughs> so in like jujitsu, if, if, if I, if I'm training and I'm worried about my training partners are thinking about me, that's not a healthy 
thing for me to have a good uh, uh, training situation with myself. If let's just say I'm training with a blue belt and I get tapped out, what what what's happening in that blue belt's brain? Like on their drive home, with that they you know that night when they go to bed, like what's happening? If anything's happening, it's not about how Byron sucks at jiu-jitsu and I caught him. It's about, man, I think I'm getting better. I think my, you know, my triangle is really coming around and, and hitting new levels now. It's about themselves and how, how their jiu-jitsu is working. It's not about how, you know, that person is a total fraud. They're not really even a, good at jiu-jitsu. If I can catch them, they, they, they're thinking about themselves and their own jiu-jitsu. And so, you know, if you're that blue belt who gets caught by that white belt, it, it might bother you. I think that's pretty normal. I think that's bothered everybody who's been a blue belt who's gotten caught by a lower belt. But in reality, if, if if part of that bothering you is their opinion of you, it's probably not changed. They still respect you as a jiu-jitsu person. Probably they're, they've built a little confidence in this, and they've thought of a little bit more of their own jiu-jitsu, which is more realistic as, as far as what people think about. They think about themselves more often than others. Yep, and and Gary, you're right. Eleanor Roosevelt was absolutely one of my favorite people, and, and part of the reason is because the second half of this quote, which we didn't include in the show notes, and Byron didn't or Gary didn't read it, but uh, you wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. For example, I have a weak guard passing game, but my uh, my sweep game is on point. That's exactly and, uh, what Eleanor said. <laughs> yes, and then, and then she went on to elaborate that the only people thinking about how weak her guard passing game was was her. She's thinking about it, but the rest of the people, they're worried about their own jujitsu. And So that, that's very much true. Great <laughs> quote, Gary. Thank you, Joe. You won the internet this week. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> that makes two weeks I've won, and out of the last six weeks, you've won four and I've won two. How many have you won, Byron? I don't compare myself with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I said it's not up healthy, there, buddy. Not a healthy thing to do. So I'm just here to participate and try to do my best. And if yeah. I happen to ever win the internet, that would be okay. But I'm just doing my best. But you're lucky. You're you're right, Byron. It is not healthy, and uh, um, you know it's just not healthy to think about that. And it's also not healthy to just have a regular athletic supporter when you're training jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, we have Craig Diamond, uh, Diamond MMA, uh, getting ready to come on and, and talk to Byron. So uh, let's roll Craig and Byron here. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He taught Tyler Durden how to make soap just because they had extra supplies. He once got a mat burn. It ended up causing a three-alarm fire. When he pulls guard, the ref gives him two points. If you watch his competition footage, you will see Mr. Miyagi looking at him with approval. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Hey, listening, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Craig Diamond to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, it's good to have you here. We've got we've never really talked about this so far, so uh, you we have a, a wide variety of topics to cover today. But you you are uh, the CEO of Diamond MMA and 
you're very well known for making like the standard of of cups for people who are doing grappling. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, really any combat sport, um, our groin protection is the best. And then obviously other sports, people are using it for too. Okay. So, yeah. I didn't do a, a great job of introducing you. Could you just kind of give a little rundown of, of who you are and, and what you're up to besides that? Sure. Yeah. My name's Craig Diamond. Um, I just turned 40. I got three kids. I live in a suburb outside of Chicago. Um, I'm personally a lifelong athlete, um, you know, since uh, two or three years old. I've been playing baseball, um, hockey, football. Um, my senior year, I actually played four sports, actually wrestled as well, and um, just had a, a good upbringing with uh, lots of good friends that were athletes and always competing against each other. So, um that's you know a, a little bit about that um and you know certainly that helped me my athletic background helped me know about sports know about equipment know about some of the problems that, that guys can face and you know later on in life that helped me tackle some of the problems we uh, were dealing with 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 groin protection but um yeah just going back to an, an early age i was always just a rough and tough kid that Wanted to get out there and, and play and, and tackle and wrestle and, and, and just be a kid. And, and um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And you, you started the company Diamond MMA. How did that was the, – what's the roots with that? So Diamond MMA started kind of as a side project. Uh, I was just kind of do it on uh, – you know, during the nights after my day job uh, – I run my family's construction company by day, and I'd say back when the UFC, when the Ultimate Fighter started coming back on TV that first season, I kind of fell back in love with it. I had used to watch the tapes in college and all that, and uh, started making T-shirts, actually, and then um, kind of morphed into fight shorts, and started designing some really high-end, kind of cool fight shorts, and then while showing... These athletes in the gyms and the MMA guys are shorts. They actually asked about a cup, and they said they really needed a good cup, and that was what they were struggling with. So kind of scratched all the uh, shorts and T-shirt designs and just focused on um, solving this problem of uncomfortable groin protection. And um, that kind of started the whole company. And, um, you know, guys like Joe Rogan got heard about us and saw the videos of me getting kicked and – and then using our products online and got behind it. And soon after, many UFC fighters and, and top grapplers and jiu-jitsu guys were wearing our products. Guys like Gary Tonin and Eddie Cummings and many, many more. So um, it's been it's been fun and a really cool learning experience for me. And I recruited a bunch of high-level designers who also train and grapple. Um, one of our product designers is Alex Coriano. He actually walked on uh, to wrestle at Purdue and now is a a top wrestling and grappling coach at El Nino um, Training Center in San Francisco, home of Jake Shields and Gilbert Melendez. So it's just been really cool building this business um, and and, and getting to meet all these athletes that that wear and love our products. And um, you just had a a good background to, to start the business as far as my own athletics and then also 
having a very entrepreneurial family that can that have started their own forms of businesses and um, yeah we're, we're we're not where we want to be yet but we're we're getting there slowly but surely yeah to talk a little bit more about you uh, as a person how how long have you been training martial arts or or getting on the mat and doing some jujitsu okay so actually I my martial arts career really started in ninth grade or ninth grade, nine years old. I was about nine years old, I should say. Um, and my, my mother at the time was married to, um, a, um, a sensei for Shotokan karate. And I, I was doing Shotokan karate, I guess, um, from, uh, third to fifth grade at a pretty competitive level. And we were, you know, traveling around and, uh, going to the junior Olympics and, and doing that. So that was pretty much the start. Um, after that, I kind of took up more traditional sports like football, baseball, hockey, and got pretty serious about um, that and even played baseball uh, a couple of years at the college level. Um, and then after that, I, I, you know, I started messing around a little bit with some jujitsu and, and wrestling and grappling here and there, but really I'd say committed full-time um, to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, gosh, probably five or six years ago, um, and found a great school uh, in Chicago, um, New Breed um, jiu-jitsu. It's uh, the owner's Mark um, Vivas, and um, just a, a great school to train at. And um, I actually got my blue belt there from those guys. Um, and you know, although lately I haven't been on the mats as, as much as I'd like, it's – my home gym and, and school and just a great place to train and get better at. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're all, we like to be on the mat a little bit more than we can. And you're, you're running this very successful business and, and, and trying to get some mat time. What do you have any favorite techniques? I'd like to hear those from you. Yeah, I, I'd say, I mean, probably my, my favorite technique, um, I'd say is the Ezekiel maybe. I, um, I, I just, just you know, from top or, or from side, just I think I, it kind of is. It's a sneaky one that bites quick, and and I've had some success with that. Um, and um, yeah, just some of the more basic um, basic techniques, you know, kimuras, triangles. Um, I actually I learned uh, some wrist lock, some good wrist locks from uh, another guy um, from Lake County. Jiu-Jitsu, Carlos, um, and, and so just uh, pretty much those. Uh, it just I'm really trying to learn the fundamentals. Yeah. Still, I have a long, long way to go um, to really get all my fundamentals down. And although I'm a strong, athletic guy, um, you know, Jiu-Jitsu is a lot more than that. So um, I got a lot of work to do in my game. That's for sure. Great. I don't. I don't have the best Ezekiel choke out there. Uh, I would like to know. Yeah, considering that as one of your one of your better techniques, when did that for you become that way? When when was this technique? When did that happen to become your better technique? Has it always been, or did you make a change with what you were doing, or just start trying it more? What happened to make that one of your best techniques? I think it was for one of the first kind of moves I learned. Even though it's not a, probably not a typical first move, someone showed it to me, and then um, I just practiced it and used it and, and felt comfortable with it. Um, and so I don't know that I've worked hard enough to get any better than it is, but um, it's just something that seems natural. And um, I'm, I don't know if it really matters, but I'm kind of ambidextrous. So 
feel comfortable with both arms and I don't know. I, I think once I can um, get in a good position and, and, and that's definitely one thing I'd struggle with, I should say, with the move is, is you know, obviously position before submission and sometimes I'll rush a little too much and just I'm not don't have my hips down or don't have all my weight in the right spot and then, you know, you get rolled over or whatever. But um, it, it, it's, it's fun because I think people don't really see it coming and expect it and it, and it just kind of it bites pretty quick. Yeah, or if you but, – but from my experience, if I see it coming – I have so little tools to deal with it by the time because uh, a lot of times one of my arms is taken out of play, so I'm trying to fight off exactly. with, with just one arm that's in a bad position already. He <laughs> is like, oh, he's trying to Ezekiel choke. Okay, I'm behind the ball already trying to defend this thing. <laughs> so that, that, that's that's and, and it'll make a move. You know, exactly, it's good. To, it's it's a good threatening submission to make someone move or make someone, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe turn or, or whatever. So. Um, yeah, it, it's great. I mean, of all the sports that I – one thing on a personal note, I mean, I have been a three-sport athlete my entire life. Um, and I have never really been a student of the game. I always love to learn the fundamentals. I love to practice. But I never love to watch it on TV. I never watched like to watch baseball or I never played fantasy football or even though I – you know, was the captain of all my teams and was was a pretty good player. I just never liked watching it on TV. And and jujitsu and and fighting is the first sport that I actually follow and, and enjoy watching. And and um, that's something different for me as an athlete. Most guys love to play and watch sports. I kind of just love to play the sports. I didn't love to watch. But now you know, I got my subscription to to Flow Grappling and. You know, I'm I'm finding myself watching jujitsu a lot more, and um, just even thinking about it a lot more. A lot of the times when I'm not on the mat and I'm sitting in traffic, I'm just thinking about it and thinking about um, uh, the sport. And so um, that's what been a great thing as far as the Diamond MMA business and just learning and practicing jujitsu is being able to watch it on TV and enjoy it more and know know what I'm watching. Yeah, I, I do think that with any uh, further knowledge with a sport, you're able to enjoy it at a different level, and it's. I think that's that. I, I'm not a sports fan, but I love jujitsu, so I, yeah. I, I really do enjoy watching jujitsu. But I don't think if I did it, it, it's it's hard to be that level of have that level of appreciation. And so, just by learning more about it, you you gain a, a deeper understanding, and you g- gain a deeper enjoyment for watching it done well because it is very hard to do well. Yeah, uh, just thinking. You know, another thing is is that obviously the benefits of of jujitsu and and after training, and as much as you know, I try to remember the feeling I'm get after the training session. So if I am not able to make it, or just you know, kind of taking these two out and and, and just want to want to not go for some reason. I think it's important to remember that feeling you're going to get for after the workout is really why you're there. Is just, um, at least for me. And and I know a lot of I've had a lot of stress lately in my life and business and personal and and by not going to jujitsu regularly, definitely it takes a toll on my patience, my frustration, and and my anger levels. Definitely. I, I mean, you know, I I feel if I don't go to jujitsu, um, certainly for a couple of weeks. Um, I, you know, you feel it build up and if I'm aggravated, I may want to 
you know, have a little, I wouldn't say road rage, but just, you know, just getting frustrated or, or, or aggravated. And, and this is, um, you know, after you go roll with some guys that uh, maybe 50 pounds lighter than you and, and, and they and they bring it to you or, or just really getting smashed, that's there's nothing better for me to make me feel better than than that feeling. Um, you know, so it's I have to remember that as an entrepreneur, as a father, as a businessman, that stress relief and that, you know, that, that humbling in, in a good, safe way, you know, is very important to me. Um, and, and most guys, I think. Yeah, I think most people get some sort of a stress relief from jiu-jitsu. And, and you mentioned kind of like getting that role where, you know, someone's maybe lighter than you or that sort of thing. I think I get that that stress relief from just being in the room with the people. Just just being in a room where everybody is, is having fun and enjoying the, the time yes. with each other. And like, regardless, I, I could be stressed out, come in, roll like garbage, you get tapped out a bunch of times, and I still go home like, I feel pretty good. <laughs> Even if I you don't get that smashing. You, exactly. That, that, you said something that I, that I forgot to say, and one thing that I that I'm most why jiu-jitsu, I think, is, you know, or some form of martial arts is so important, especially after you've played team sports your whole life, is camaraderie. And like you said, it's the camaraderie of going into that gym and seeing the friendly faces and laughing and taping up and getting ready that is important. That's the tribe. That's that's what you know you're going to miss. If, if you, even if you play up to a high school level, you just don't get to hang out with the team anymore. I mean, playing softball for uh, once a week is one thing, but you know, like you said, sitting with the guys and laughing is is important. And, and at the school that I train at, at at Newbreed in Chicago, um, or they're actually in Niles, everybody there is there to make each other better, and they have a no um, you know no meathead tolerance, uh, you know, zero tolerance for anybody that's there to obviously hurt anybody or, or, or be, you know, aggressive in a, in a, you know, in, in a way that's not, not good. And so, I mean, there's doctors and lawyers and accountants and, and competitive athletes and ex Chicago bears. I mean, just anybody that trains there is, has your best interest, um, not only to get better, to just to make sure you get to come the next day and not get hurt. And so, I think uh, finding a school like that, that works with me, where if I want to really turn it up, and, and be competitive and really go hard. There's guys for that and there's guys for everything. And, and, um, but even, even those good top guys that are competing nationally and worldwide are, are, are always there to, to take care of you. And so, um, I, I think a lot of guys don't realize what jujitsu is. They think it's like karate and they think they're, it's striking or, or, or something. They don't realize just how, how gentle, you know, it can be. And of course, there's injuries with everything. And it is, you know, not gentle times, but in the right gym with the right training partners, it's it's a great sport. Yeah. Uh, so to talk about a little bit about the business here, you didn't start off as a, a company that was making like protection systems or, or growing protection uh, systems. How did that happen? Why, why the why the change into that market? So originally, when the UFC started coming on TV, it was it was these guys would walk out and they'd have T-shirt brands. It was Tap Out, it was Silver Star, it was you know all these different companies. Uh, Sprawl, if you remember the Sprawl fight shorts, um, and they would have to pay athletes to wear their T-shirts. 
Uh, I just didn't think that was a real – well, really, we started the T-shirt actually to make more of a classic brand look. So a lot of the T-shirts to back up were flaming eagles and skulls and very aggressive designs that I didn't really want to wear. I wanted more of a classic brand look that that I could, that could represent the sport that I liked and also you know, pick my daughter up at kindergarten in. And so we designed a classic look of a T-shirt. From there, we realized we'd have to pay these guys to, to wear our T-shirts. So we wanted to make a product they'd actually wear and help them improve, you know, their their uh, their performance. So we, we transitioned to these fight shorts and we used some proprietary fabrics and unique cuts and, and sewing to make a fight short. So we took these fight shorts around to different gyms. We went to Rufus Sport in Milwaukee. We went to AKA in, in San Jose and we were showing them these really cool fight shorts at the time we thought were very cool. And they said, you know what, guys, these are cool, but actually we need a good cup. All we're wearing is these crappy Walmart cups that are moving around and they're having they're having to layer um, two pairs of underwear plus a compression short just to keep the cup from shifting because there wasn't a cup designed for the dynamic movement of, of rolling, of grappling, of jujitsu, of kicking and striking. It just nothing. All they had was a tie cup, that steel tie cup that would have a shoelace that go up your crack and you'd have to tie it. And it was very uncomfortable and heavy. And so we, we kind of scrapped the fight shorts and we just said, all right, let's let's talk to these guys. Let's find out what kind of cups they're wearing and what are they rolling in? And, and, and we interviewed tons of guys from from all over. And we, we kind of learned the do's and don'ts of, of what good protection is and then we uh hired sewers and we cut up yoga mats and duct tape and we we started prototyping a version that would be so comfortable and supportive you could actually get kicked by ufc fighter and, and and keep fighting and so after you know dozens and dozens of prototypes and years of development we we kind of figured out the system that would be comfortable to where you forget you're even wearing a cup and, um, you know, a lot of guys in grappling and, you know, BJJ really don't wear cups. They think it's uncomfortable or they, they just, they, you know, just don't wear it. And, and we're trying to change that. I mean, we have guys like Gary Tonin and Eddie Cummins, like I said, and Joe Rogan, um, a lot of a lot of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu guys, Scott Epstein, you know, are, are wearing our cups. And, and these are some of the top guys in the world. Um but if you don't have a cup that's not going to stay in place, you're better off not even wearing one because that cuff couple shift or move and all of a sudden one of your family jewels falls out and that's when injury starts uh, or can happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long road. We've, we've been around almost 10 years and um, we're proud that we actually make products that fighters will purchase and buy because they need it, not just because um, we're paying them to wear it. So, it, so I'm a guy that that doesn't wear cups. I've tried them, and they they become a a thing of more distraction than they're worth. It's just like, I'm, if I'm thinking about my cup, I'm not thinking about the, doing the right thing on the mats, and I end up getting, uh, you know, caught in something. I'm like, man, I was totally distracted by my cup. And so this sounds like that doesn't. This is designed to not have that. Like I'm wearing a non. Uh, not non grappling, but not the right type of a cup to for me to mm-hmm. to perform. So what's different? So what's different is is that we have a patented four strap jock. It's basically 
if you can picture a traditional jock strap, it's got the two straps you put your legs through, the cup is still going to shift and move. And over time, that elastic's going to kind of turn into bacon strips and, and, and just not hold the cup where it should. Our four-strap jock is two additional straps that connect to the bottom of the cup pocket and kind of are sewn into the waistband. Um, so it's almost like a climbing harness, if you could imagine, where it's got these four straps that are going to keep the cup in place. Then we sew that in to a pair of compression shorts. So you're really getting like double the system that's going to be locked down in place. Um, so you have the, the one system with the straps that's going to keep it from shifting and moving. And then the second half is our cup. The cup is actually designed to, to fit everything inside. So it's got volume and depth. So all your important parts are going to be inside the protective area. And then the rubber around the cup is soft, flexible, um, and it's not going to irritate the groin tendons or the sides of your, your thighs. They're going to, it's going to be able to, to take a shot or if someone's trying to pass your guard and um, you, know, you get a knee uh, to the groin, you're going to be able to take it and, and keep going. Um, and so the comfortable cup along with our compression jock system, which is that four-strap system, that's what is the secret combination. It's just an all-in-one system that doesn't move or shift. Um, and it took years and you know a, a, a house mortgage and, and, and just a lot, a lot of um, work to, to figure it out. But now that we have it, it's you know a lot of guys are, are using it and it's helping them. Craig, I'm thinking about myself as I train, and you know I, I do just jujitsu or, or no gi grappling, mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't do any striking arts. I'm trying to minimize any like strikes or concussion style of, of damage to my head or my brain. Like, yeah. like that's important to me, but I don't think about it as like minimizing uh, damage short term or long term because we all have to deal with the short term damage. Like, oh, yeah. it hurts. You know, you curl up. I don't know what kind of long term damage is being done every time you. You, you take some some damage like this uh, to the groin. I don't know, but it, it can't be healthy to be, you know, every even once a month get racked like that. That's not something that you want to introduce to uh, to the toolbox, no. so to speak. Like, yeah. you know, exactly. like that's an important thing. And so, like, your your my issue has always been they're uncomfortable, and and I think the main reason with with discomfort it might be. There might be some issue with the size or with the with the way that they're shaped, or whatever. But it's that they move, and then that adds like to another another level of discomfort. And it sounds like you've yes. solved that issue. Exactly. I mean, the, even you just the injuries are very bad that we've seen, and you a ruptured testicle is what it is. That that's going to be emergency surgery. You're going to have to remove one of your testicles, and it, it can definitely affect a lot. I mean, especially for youth. I mean, we tell mothers, hey, you want to be a grandmother someday. I mean, make sure your your kids are training or wearing uh, a protective cup. And, and that's something that's comfortable. So they'll, they'll get used to it and wear it their whole uh, sports career. And so, you know, that that's the one. The, the protection from injury is is one thing. The other thing is, is that having your mind focused on what you're doing, like you said, and not having to worry about a faulty equipment or a piece of equipment that's uncomfortable. I mean, when rolling, if you're rolling in the gi, you know, it's, it's your gi, it's maybe a mouth guard if you wear one and your cup and a belt or, or whatever else you're wearing underneath. I mean, there's not a whole lot of equipment that you're wearing. So it should, whatever you're wearing shouldn't be 
uh, you know, a problem. Imagine you're rolling and you have a mouth guy that just keeps falling out of your mouth every time you go to take a breath. I mean, it would be a distraction from your performance. And that's what we also want to eliminate is when you're out there and you're training is just to be have your mind where it should be and, and not on your equipment. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that that's what we're doing. And personally, it's it's been a, a labor of love and I'm learning every day about business. I'm learning about athletes. I'm learning um um, about what their needs are and, and about what new products might need to be introduced out there. And um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. You mentioned like the, like the youth market. Do you like job asking for my co-host, of course, but uh, do you have like a youth market size of a cup? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we do. We do. Um, well, I mean, we have uh, we have youth sizes um, from, you know, from nine years old on, on up and then they graduate and do an adult size cup and, um, we've had some odd requests for extra <laughs> cups, believe it or not, uh, triple extra large cups. And, um, you know, we do whatever we can do to accommodate our, our athletes. And, um, and we also have over offer a lifetime warranty on the cup. So if you do buy it and it cracks or tears, we send you one for the rest of your life. Um, so that's a nice thing. That's cool. And it is, it's an investment. It's just like, like we are pretty fortunate in jujitsu not to have to buy a lot of equipment. We're not buying like football pads and helmet and all this other stuff. You get a gi. Uh, you know, I like to wear a mouth guard. Like mm-hmm. that's the equipment. There's not a whole lot. Like my, my wife is a is a runner, and she had to buy some some shoes that would help her. Uh, her her feet were getting kind of damaged as she would run longer and longer. And it's like mm-hmm. that's the only really cost you have is is shoes. Like it's not that big of a deal. You don't have to buy a uniform to to run in. You you have your basic clothes that you have. Like is if you just think of it as a, like a one time expense to like like I don't know a good gi will last me several years. Uh, I'd imagine you know you, you have a, a good warranty with a cup, but I don't know how you're going to be wearing uh, that out. But um, I don't know. It, it just seems like a like, a like a wise investment. You're you're you're. Uh... Your twig and berries, your frank and beans, your family jewels, whatever you want to – it's worth it. It's worth a hundred bucks. Um, We also have a coupon code we're going to do with you guys for BJJ Brick. Um, So for your listeners, if you you need a good cup or you need – we have other products too, by the way. We have – for grapplers um, that don't wear cups, we have a product called the Compression Brief. So it's basically like a compression short with a built-in supportive pair of underwear. And that is really going to keep everything in tight. Um, and again, although it's not meant to be worn with a cup, for guys that do not wear cups, it's a really, really good product. That um, uh, Dustin Akbari from um, Uri Faber's gym, these their head uh, grappling uh, and jujitsu coach, he trains and competes in these things. Um, so we have a lot of other products. Uh, we have rash guards, we have t-shirts, we have other things besides you know for guys that don't wear cups, but. Um, Real quick, I want to throw this discount code in just so I don't forget yeah, for your listeners. Yeah. Um, it's it's BJJ Brick. Uh, that's BJJ B R I C K, and you'll save fifteen percent off on any products. So um, we'll have that up for your listeners. And um, one other thing is that and if you at, get one of our diamondmma.com. Yeah, throw that. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put a link diamond, to that uh, yep. as well. But yeah, okay. Yeah, go on our site diamondmma.com. Check out what we have. 
if you have any questions about sizing or, or anything at all, and you're just not sure if you're if you think you're in between size, call the phone number on our website, and it'll forward right to my phone, and you'll speak with me. I handle all of our customers' sizing, and if you were to buy it and roll in it, even for two, three try practices or uh, training sessions, and it's not the best cup you've ever worn, we'll we'll exchange it and take it back for a full refund, even after you've worn it. So. Um, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something that, uh, I hope your listeners can pick up. And if not, hopefully just the story of, you know, a kid that's been his athlete, you know, an athlete his whole life and also interested in business just did something with it. I mean, you hear all the time, especially on social media, uh, the Gary V's and the Tony Robbins and these guys saying, you know, start a business, start in your spare time, do that. It's kind of what I did, and I really partnered with people and recruited guys that shared our same vision, that loved the sport, that loved to, to train and work out, but also loved to design and create a product that actually could do something um, and help people. And so personally, this business has been really satisfying, and although we're not there where we want to be, it's it's kind of like jujitsu. It's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and it's – I'm looking at this as the long term, and um, and uh, if we just keep inching our way and, and and just keep keep shrimping and keep moving and keep breathing and keep just not just keep going, we're going to reach the goal uh, that we we set for ourselves, which is where you know everybody's wearing our products that that, that train and, and want the best protection. And I think jujitsu is the same way. If you just keep coming then you'll eventually get better and learn. And as long as you don't quit. Um, so I, I think it's another interesting thing that jujitsu has taught me. And, and although I haven't been doing it as many years as a lot of people, um, a lot translates to business and life. And just to realize that, um, you know, you're not going to, nothing's going to happen overnight. You're just going to have to keep showing up and, and grinding and, and being consistent and when you're consistent with things you get better and when you're not you're not and and it there's nothing more frustrating in the world when i haven't been to, to the gym in a month and i go back and i remember rolling with a guy and now he's getting the better you know he's getting better and i'm not you know because he's been there and that's that's just the beauty of it is is that whatever work you put in you're going to get out of it and i think that's the same with life and business yeah, something that I think is like a hidden challenge with with selling a product like this is that it, it's it's it goes undetected. So you could be watching a UFC on pay per view or whatever, and a guy gets kicked. You don't even notice it unless the action stops. And even if uh, let's say he gets kicked and the action continues, he's he's okay. You don't know what kind of cup did that. <laughs> it's so rare right. that they mention brand name or that sort of thing with uh, with this. Like I could see the type of shorts the person's wearing. I could look at their gloves if I wanted to. I could look at different things, but it's 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 kind of under the radar. It's under the 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 layer. It's under the shorts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why Joe Rogan's been such a big proponent for us. He talks about us on his podcast when they're talking about cups, and he wears it personally. Um, back in the, in the earlier days of the UFC guys would be wearing our diamond shorts and it has a, 
or our diamond compression jock rather has a, a diamond pattern waistband. So if a fighter's shorts were drooping down a little bit, you'd see our waistband and you'd everybody know he's wearing diamond. But um, now what they've done since the Reebok deal, they actually take a black Sharpie and they color in oh. the diamonds so nobody will see that brand or they'll make them put a pair of compression shorts over ours just to kind of hide it. So, you know, we know the guys are wearing ours and, and it's okay. And, and it's really a word of mouth thing. I mean, it's uh, a guy's, uh, you know, in jujitsu and someone, you uh, goes to pass his guard and knee hits him in the groin and, and then a big thud, you know, rings out and everybody says, Oh, are you okay? And, and he says, Oh no, I'm good. I got my diamond in my makeup, you know? And, and he says, Oh, it's the best. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that on Rogan. And so that's kind of the word of mouth, how our product spreads to um, is just by guys training and, and guys talk about good equipment. Um, but one of our goals was what you said is that there were so many low blow stoppages in the UFC um, because they were just wearing crappy cups. We wanted to avoid, we wanted to stop that. We wanted to say, hey, let's make a cup and support that is comfortable and protective enough where a guy could get kicked in the middle of a fight and just go right through it. You wouldn't even have to stop. And that would keep the action going for the sport we all love. And, and that was really what we've done. And now that close to the majority of current UFC fighters are wearing our stuff, it's there's definitely been a reduction in groin shot timeouts. We, we, we you know, um, so we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. That's interesting. I always look for ways to, to track things. And I, I didn't think about like looking at how much time on average uh, somebody or how many times it occurs, you know, in, in 100 fights where, OK, we had to have 10 guys have to have time to recover. And then how long was that recovery time? Like and, and how much of that was somebody wanting to get a little break or I don't know. But like that's the actual metrics you could look at and say they're working. Look on our athletes. The, the Like the amount of instances where they needed time is less. The amount of time they needed was less. And uh, yep, that that's uh, that's an interesting thing that I I hadn't thought of before. We you just mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, t- even the TV timeouts. I mean, even for the promotion, that loss of action is it, it's not good for the product and the brand or the athletes. Of course, it's really fighter safety. So, you know, myself, I, I've been I started this company by walking into gyms, talking to fighters, getting products on them. You know, getting um, feedback from them, what they like, what they don't like, and then just revising and improving the the um, the products until it gets to a point where they feel like they forget they're even wearing it. Um, so that's uh, that's one of our uh, that's one of our main goals, and, and we're we're getting there. Yeah, and it's a, it's an important topic. It's not often uh, like talked about or made a big deal. Of. I think you know, uh, like for myself, I have probably changed parts of my game because it, they, it makes me safer. And, and maybe I'm avoiding things that I could be doing that would be more aggressive or, or be more successful than that because occasionally I'll, I'll catch a, a knee somewhere or something like that where if I, if I had that, maybe I would uh, be able to you know try a certain guard pass and, and feel better about it or, or try a sweep that I wouldn't get bothered by or something like that. Yeah. Like, I think it actually change – it could actually change the way – uh, I move on the mats because it's always not wearing a guy that doesn't wear a cup because they're uncomfortable and they move and, and it becomes bothersome. I, I 
have to think about that sometimes when I grapple. Like, I don't, okay, I don't want to get caught here and that sort of thing. It would be nice to just ignore that part of the game and just grapple. Yep. I mean, that, that that's it. And, and, you know, we we love it. We, we hear stories and we see customers that are wearing our stuff. Um, it, it, it's great because, like I said, from an athlete as myself, I know what it's like to wear good equipment and, and crappy equipment. And there's a big difference. Um, and so... Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's it's a great kind of niche product and industry, and um, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And um, you know, if anybody out there, you know, is interested in talking to me or about our products or trying us out, you know how to get a hold of us. You know, we're we're a small company, but we're growing, and um, we're you know we're excited to talk to any jujitsu athletes or or anybody that's has questions and wants to try our stuff out. Yeah. Craig, I got kind of an odd question for you, but I'm, I'm curious. So, uh, yeah. when you're watching an MMA event and somebody gets kicked and it look is bad, mm-hmm. what's the first thought in your mind about, <laughs> about what just happened? I, I love it to be honest. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> love it because I, I don't want this. It's bad for the sport, I guess, but I, I, I love it because it, it brings awareness to growing protection and why it's important to have a good cup. Um, and, that's, you know, that's it. We're also, you know, we're, we are, you've been in talks with the UFC trying to get this, um, you know, cup kind of mandated for everybody. So there is never a problem, but, uh, I, I don't mind it. I like it. It's our business. And although I, I want, I don't want that to happen to these guys, if they're, you know, if they're not wearing, uh, uh, our cup, then maybe they deserve it. I don't know. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. If the awareness of the cup is not there, then you know it, that that's too bad. But if you know about it and and you're aware of a superior thing that can really save you, <laughs> and by now everybody does know about it. At least the people that listen to the show are aware that there's a better option. Because I was unaware that that something like this could really exist. That they actually made it. I I don't know what my cup was designed to do other than protect me, but it wasn't designed to grapple in. So that's why it says in, yep. on, in my drawer. And, and, and I'm no. glad you've, oh. you found this and, and, and not found it. You've developed this, uh, for the specific market, for the specific market. Thanks. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. And, um, to all your listeners out there, it's really cool to talk to you guys and, and have a little bit of an audience and, Again, it's been you know close to a decade of developing this and, and getting this business going, but we got a great team of guys and gals that are, are helping us get it out to everybody that needs it. And um, yeah, check us out at diamondmma.com. Um, put in BJJ Brick to save fifteen percent, and then um, follow us on Instagram, you know, at Diamond MMA um, for you know other content and specials and news. And we're always got new products coming out. We're and we'd love to talk to you guys. Yeah. Is the, is the coupon code case sensitive or, or does it not like all capital or? No, j- no, does, it no, in? it's not case sensitive. Just BJJ brick and you'll save 15% off. If, if um, and again, if you guys, uh, your listeners have any questions on sizing or, or what type of level of protection would be best for them, um, call the phone number and we'll answer and, um, we'll, we'll help guide, uh, guide you to get the, the right product for yourself. Yeah, that that's awesome. I remember, and, and I haven't put it to a test in a long time, but you know, back back in you know the 
early 2000s to maybe 2004 ish when i would call i would i would like not be confident about the size of a gi like i would just call and usually like the owner would answer the phone it was like that's amazing and so we try like, to we try to give that same customer experience i, I agree with you I, I love to pick up a phone and be able to talk to someone and and so um yeah you can chat with us you can message us on instagram you can email us um and we'll we'll always get back to you within 24 hours to to help out that's cool i appreciate that level of service that means uh, a lot and I'm, I'm sure that that will serve you well uh, in the future for just doing business. Cool. Um, well, it, it was great talking to all you guys and, uh, and great talking to you. And, uh, you know, I'd love to come on sometime again, maybe with, uh, one of our athletes, you know, like a Gary Tonin or, or, um, a Gordon Ryan or, or any of these guys that are, are wearing our stuff and let them tell you for themselves. It'd be cool to maybe have a, uh, a talk um, with one of them too and, and about all the different cups they wore before they found ours. It's pretty interesting to hear how these guys, uh, we've had guys protecting with a sock uh, up until, uh, and guys protecting with a cup that was duct taped um, for the last 10 <laughs> years to be held. So it's pretty crazy uh, stories we hear. I've heard of the sock thing just to add uh, volume, <laughs> not for protection system. <laughs> but, well, uh, it's some, you know, I think IBJ some of these some of these tournaments don't allow cups. Um, I think IBJF or JJF. I'm not I'm not sure which. Um, I, I don't think you can compete in a cup, and some guys want uh, a little a little extra padding there to to feel a little secure. So it, it's um, it's been interesting, but. Again, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, if I come out to uh, your neck of the woods, I'll, uh, I'd love to roll with you. All right. That'd be, that'd be fun. Uh, thanks for jumping on here with me, Craig. All right. Have a good day, guys. I want to thank Craig for hopping on the show. I had a, had a fun time uh, talking with him about uh, jujitsu and, and about what he's done for the uh, kind of the world of combat sports, really. And I really haven't realized that it had come so far. With the, with the with the cup protection system, and and that there are good options out there. So if you find yourself is this like a, a frustrating thing for you that happens, and, and, it, and it bothers you, this would definitely be look be worth looking at investing in. And, and we don't have a lot of equipment cost in jujitsu. You get a couple gaze, you're good to go. You get some a pair of shorts or a rash guard, there you go. And so just add you know a, a few percentage you know dollars to that whole cost, and and you get yourself a, a something that will last you. Uh, a very long time. Uh, most, I think, most of our costs come in training and 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 being a member at a, at a gym and doing private lessons or doing you know seminars. It spreads out through there, but the, the actual material cost of jiu-jitsu is very low compared to like a lot of other sports where you have to invest, you know, in hockey gear or football gear or whatever. So uh, we just we do one more thing, and it's it, it comes. Uh, I, I've yet to use one, so I can't give it a personal recommendation, but. From everything I've heard, this is the answer to to all of your problems, Gary, as far as this category of, of the failures that you've dealt with. <laughs> the damage you've taken. Yeah. So, or you think about taking damage. I mean, every time you take damage, you're not out of, you're not on the mat. Um, you know, our goal is to get on the mat. Uh, we want to get better, and consistency is the key to that. And that kind of brings me to our article of the week. Uh, you know. It's from Balanced Bodies Tulsa. How how consistency affects jujitsu practitioners? And uh, Joe, I'll have you elaborate on on this article here. 
By, Byron always sends Gary and I show notes like a, a month in advance, and so it gives us plenty of time to read and study up on them. And I've been uh, been Reading checking this article, <laughs> been checking this article out for a few minutes now. But uh, I'll just start with the the two paragraphs that the author has here, and uh, the first one is problem solving skills develop from resistance. And the second is discipline improves the skill. And those are just really great concepts. And in life, and, and we say this almost every episode, you know, as you go through adulthood, you're going to have uh, struggles at work. You might have struggles in your marriage. You know, you're going to have, if jujitsu is your hobby, you're going to have, um, you, you know, some injuries and stuff you got to get through. All those problems need to be solved. And, uh, and and that those problem solving skills come from resistance when things are difficult that's how you learn and jujitsu is uh it's like this little fishbowl where everything's intensified and and uh man if if you are ever under mount from somebody who's really good at that position and maybe they're a little bigger than you that's a problem that needs to be solved (laughs) there's some resistance and some pressure and it forces you to develop those problem solving skills so i I would say that's one of the keys to jujitsu and of course the article has to do with consistency and and really if if i go to class infrequently or if i dodge the guys that give me difficult roles you know there's no consistency there and that's going to uh, make it more difficult for me to develop these skills. So that that's where I would start is with problem solving skills, and you develop on develop them on the mats when things get difficult. Consistency, you could you could also kind of lump that in the category of being disciplined with your training. If you train the same four days every week, and you decide to start taking off one of them and doing something else or going out to eat or stuff. I don't know what it would be. Um, Something else kind of works its way in there this week or that week or whatever. That's bringing in inconsistency to your training. And I I think that having it in in its right place, for most of us, is not the number one thing in the world. You know, we have other, yeah, we have work we have to maintain. We have families we have to keep happy. (laughs) What? It's not the number one thing? I don't know who would uh it, it's pretty hard to say that is like the most important thing in in, in the entire I'm world kidding. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but it could feel like it is but but if you make it consistent and, and and the days that you miss are valid because you know maybe somebody in family was sick or something is you're not healthy this time or i don't know you know a big day at work and it happens to come and hit you and you need to you know maintain a steady income anything could happen like that but but being consistent allows you to, to get over those times when you can't be as, as, as regiment on the mats. Because if you're already inconsistent with your training and you're skipping it to go watch a movie or skipping it to, to hang out and uh, with your old buddies or whatever, uh, this other stuff's still going to happen, so it's going to hit you a little harder. So I think that as far as consistency goes, we can look at it as, as discipline. And the article does talk about discipline and improving skills. And, and really, any skill you want to improve upon – you need to have discipline behind that to get success uh, with your improvement. So uh, I think that's a big part of it. Do you guys have like set days of the week that you train typically or, or that sort of a schedule that anything that helps you? Yeah, I do. Man, my, my schedule's too, uh, too, too crazy traveling back and forth to work. I I just kind of try and look, look a week out and, 
I got to do this day and this day and this day to get my two or three days in per week. So, yeah. and, and, and so being in that position, I really envy people that can, can set a schedule. I think there's a lot of value to that. I think you fall in the same category as me, Joe. You, you train when you can. And, yeah. and my schedule is a lot of randomness, but you, I didn't, I wasn't able to train today that, that we're, that we're podcasting, but I'm able to train tomorrow and I'm going to train tomorrow at 11 AM. And so Knowing that in advance, I think brings me some consistency as far as uh, I set my day kind of around that. I'm going to get some stuff done in the morning. I'm going to get some stuff done in the afternoon. And uh, my wife is, will be off work in the evening. We'll hang out together. But so I'm consistent with when I can train, I do train. But the day of the week and then the either the morning class or the evening class, I'm all over the place. But I'm consistent with when I can, I'm there. <laughs> At least once, uh, you know, I, I rarely get two in a day. That's pretty I can't remember the last time I've done that, but uh, my consistency, I think, is not really dictated like you. Like uh, we're in the same boat; it's not on the same schedule, or like looking at a day of the week. But it's opportunity. If the opportunity's there, I can, I'm consistently there. So I think that's a it's a big part of just so that we don't often talk about. Uh, you want to have, be consistent in your training. It's not. I think the ultimate like fail of this would be train every day for two weeks and then take a month off. That's not going to be an effective way of training. You're you're much better off spreading those time out and and training. If you, if you have the passion and desire to train a whole bunch, that's fine. Don't get burned out. But learning that to be consistent is a better long term strategy. Yeah, uh, that that's a great point, Byron. Well, whatever position you find yourself in in life, uh, you just work with that schedule and try and find the consistency you can. I used to work fourteen and fourteen on the ships. I'm, I'm not on the ships anymore, so I can train when I'm at work. But when I was on the ships, it was 14 days offshore and then 14 days on the beach. And so I never thought about how many times I train a week, but every time I was home, I tried to get 10 classes in. And then I said, oh, I, I train eight to 10 times a month. And so I, I look at it that way. It gives me some consistency. I mean, I'm sure we've got guys doing jujitsu that are truck drivers. I know we've got guys in the military, uh, we've probably got some pilots training. I mean, just all sorts of people with different life situations. And you just try and find the consistency where you can and uh, make sure you're getting in, like you said, Byron, get in when you can. Joe, did you say we have some pirates training? <laughs> well, I said I said pilots, but, you know, oh. we probably do have some pirates as well. <laughs> okay, that's uh, I got a little confused there. <laughs> Joe's on the high seas a lot. Yar. <laughs> you know, we need to have a talk like a pirate podcast one day. Okay, I guess not. <laughs> not right now. I can't think of what I would say. <laughs> I think of a of pirates always having that the eye patch, you know, and like the hook. And you know what would make a great eye patch? A BJJ break gee patch. Oh yeah. Two of well, our of our newest <laughs> two of our newest Patreon supporters are Brian and Caleb. They now have the ability to to stitch that into their over their eyes if they would that like. Would hurt. That would that would not be advisable. But uh, if you uh, want to support the podcast, you can do it on a website called Patreon. There's a link to it in the show notes. Most people are kicking in like between a dollar to three dollars per episode. It really means a ton to us. We don't have millions of supporters. Uh, we have a handful, and they mean a lot to us, and they're really helping us keep this brick floating uh, as pirates attack it with cannonballs and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, we don't have a, we don't have a cup over this brick. We're just taking them all uh, <laughs> with brute hey, force. All us we have to do when those cannonballs are coming at us, we just need protection from a diamond MMA athletic supporter. Speaking of that, diamond MMA athletic supporters, we're actually going to uh, we're thinking about reviewing this product, and we're thinking about doing it June 14th through June 16th. <laughs> and Byron gets a baseball bat. And a lead pipe, <laughs> and I get a crowbar and a monkey wrench, and Gary gets a diamond MMA uh, crotch protector, and we're going to test them out. And so, it, and, and we're inviting our listeners to take part in this. So, uh, June 14th through 16th, we're going to be ha- having a BJJ Brick event. We hope to see you there. Uh, who's going to be our guest for this event, Byron? Samir Shantri and Gina Franson will be our guest instructors. They'll be teaching Saturday. And uh, I know Gina is going to stay uh, on Sunday and, uh, and train with us on our Sunday class as well. And uh, June 14th, the Friday night, is the kind of open mat. We're all going to get together, have a lot of mat time, and get some good times and experiences uh, together sharing the mats. So it's a, it's a three-day weekend packed full of jiu-jitsu. We'd love to have you come out there. Uh, last year we had a blast meeting so many of you. There are limited spots, and uh, I, I think it will likely sell out. So uh, contact Jake at foxfitnessbj.com. Uh, that's not an email address. That's a website. So find his <laughs> uh, contact him at foxfitness. That sounds like an email address, but just go to foxfitnessbj.com and uh, and get a hold of Jake there, or message me if you if you're having trouble with that, and I'll I'll get you connected to Jake, and he'll get your spot saved, and uh, we're gonna have a great time teaching, learning, you know, camaraderie as Gary always says. And the thing about this, Gary, that I know you're not prepared for because you haven't heard about this, this this part of the event. It's also a lot of bricks being thrown at your uh, <laughs> at your tool bag, <laughs> but uh, it's it's just not it's not fair to just to wear it and say it's the best. So we're gonna get you also a cheap one, and and then you can compare the, the amount of damage you're taking. <laughs> you know that I forgot to let you guys know I do have something going on that weekend, and I will not be there. Um, so I apologize in advance. No, it's really the weekend after that you're going to need the the tool bag to actually work. <laughs> <laughs> and we we mean tool. It's definitely a tool bag. Um, oh man! But you know, one thing you mentioned about uh, you know get your tickets early because it may sell out. And it made me kind of think of a, a question we got this week. Um, you know, anytime you have a question, send a question to a bjjbrick at gmail.com. But uh, a question we got this week from one of our listeners was, what is your favorite size of class? I mean, there can be, you know, two people, one person, or 50 people. Um, Joe and Byron, what about you? I mean, I know you guys don't have any class, but what would you think would be your favorite number of participants uh, when you go to BJJ uh, practice? Well, it has to do a little bit with mat space, right? I mean, uh, I don't necessarily like a really, really crowded mat, and uh, but but I do like to have it's more to me about the uh, composition of the class, really. I like a class to be big enough to have a couple of good white belts, maybe a couple of good blue belts, and then you know some purple and brown belts that are better than me. We talked earlier about uh, you know training with different people at different skill levels, and and so to me, it's more about the composition of the class. As long as there's enough people there, so that sort of every skill level is represented, to me, that's the right size of class. 
you know, I can think back uh, one time going to an open mat and uh, there was only three people there and uh, it was me and my buddy and then uh, another one of our training partners who doesn't live here anymore but came into town and he's actually been a guest on the show is Brian Marvin um, and Brian Marvin is incredible and I just remember the great thing about that was I got like a two hour private lesson uh, is what it felt like. And, uh, you know, I used to have, uh, you know, I always used to like bigger classes and, and everything. I thought it was better that way. But just an open mat with Brian Marvin and just I remember he was teaching me his uh, his head and arm choke. And I never had a good head and arm choke. And, uh, you know, he, he's got a little different way of doing it. And uh, ever since that that day I trained with Brian and uh, I basically felt like a private lesson. My head and arm choke has been great. So, uh, like I said, I, I used to always want bigger classes. I don't know. I guess I used to just think a bigger class, you know, means a better team or whatever. But after all that specialized instruction I got, uh, you know, I don't mind a small class. Yeah, that, that's uh, sounds like a great training experience, Gary. Uh, for me, this is this is a personal question as well. Like, what is your favorite size of class? There's no right or wrong answer, and I guess I'm all over the place on this. <laughs> well, we know. I, I, I like I go to I like to go to Fox Fitness on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's the that's those are the nights where the the mats are full. We've got big classes, and and and, and I think I like that because basically everybody everybody there is my yeah, friend. That's what I was thinking, Gary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I could do what? You can duck more people <laughs> without being, you know, without being called out about it. No, it's like uh, basically all these people are my friends. I, I consider them, you know, really good friends. So, so I'd rather hang out with like ten friends or twenty or forty friends. And typically, uh, I I think I'm I'm the type of person who likes hanging out with. Uh, you know, people that he considers friends. I'm not, I don't like to be, you know, alone all day long. So uh, I get a lot of energy for when I get to class and I start seeing people I haven't seen for a week or two. And, and it's just, it's exciting to start shaking hands and talking to people, catching up with people. So when you get a, kind of that big class, it gets that vibe, maybe just for myself, but I get really excited to see a, a big group of friends that are all here to have a good time and to do some hard training. That's a lot of fun. The other opposite of that is three people. Hold on, Byron. Yeah. Byron, real quick. You said you really like to hang out with friends, right? I, I something like that, yeah, Gary. I feel yeah. like you got me hey, you, uh, stuck here. Hey, as soon as this is over, you want to hang out, <laughs> uh, Gary? You've said repeatedly that you don't consider me a friend. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to head on over here, Gary, meet me halfway between. We'll we'll have a good time. I got to eat dinner here in a little bit, so well, uh, I'm, I'm coming for dinner. Okay, sweet. Yeah, what are we having? I'm going to make you a cold hot dog. <laughs> interpret that I, I however want, you want that sounded bad I'm not coming over <laughs> that sounded really bad yeah uh, no but I also like the, the, the two people in a class is kind of hard if it's the instructor and student that's kind of difficult I like three and three makes a really good drilling situation where if they're all uh, able to do it you roll for three minute rounds and you just trade so you get a three minute break and you roll for six minutes Half of that's with one person, half is with the other person. You just do this over and over and over again. Six minute rounds, a three minute break. Six minute round, three minute break. And it it is a fun way to train with a small group of people, that being three anyway. And uh, it it 
I remember seeing three people like, man, this is gonna be tough. No, it's really a fun play, thing to do because you get that you get training. You find like patterns in your guys's rolling that you wouldn't expose until a second or third or fourth roll happens. Uh, okay, this is happening again. What's happening? And you could stop and and, and work on some things. I really like those that small group as well. And just t- having this conversation and this question in front of us reminded me of of you know way back in the day when occasionally Gary would show up to class and it would be like me and the instructor, you know, or just, just so few people compared to what we're used to. It's just, I, I would be thinking in my back of my head, are we going to have class? Am I going to go home and not, not do jujitsu? Like what was, what, 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 is this, this is too small of a class to have. And, and our instructor was John Castillo. He always had class. The fact that John was there and somebody else is there, we're going to have class. And I really like that looking back because it would be an easy thing for him to say, you know what? <laughs> You're the one that showed up. Let's call it a night, man. There's no point in really uh, do anything today. Nobody's here. But the value uh, of his students was high. And he said, you showed up. I'm here for you. Let's have let's do jujitsu. And and that happened quite a bit, you know, when jujitsu was fairly new in Wichita. And, and we didn't have big classes. And he'd show up and almost nobody would be there. And, and uh, I wonder if he'd show up and nobody was there, if he'd do the warm-up and start doing some drills himself. I don't know. But I really respect that. And 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 be that type of instructor. If you show up and there's only one other student, hold a class and make it the best class you possibly can. Show that student the value that you see in them. I think that that's a little bit different than the question, but I, I this question kind of reminds me of that. Well, you think about that. Um, you know, I talked about that time I showed up to open mat, and it was just me, my buddy, and uh, Brian Marvin showed up when he was in town. And Brian's probably looking at it like, well, I'm not getting any good roles here. Uh, I just got Gary here to roll with, but you know, he, he basically, he did what you did, became the best instructor. He, he really worked with me and, uh, and he taught me a lot that day. I mean, I know, like I said, I had no head and arm choke and, uh, I think I have a pretty decent head and arm choke now. And it was just, uh, from that one day, uh, just, you know, one-on-one help and, uh, uh, he basically, uh, you know, like I said, he probably came in and was like, oh, this guy's a scrub. I got to roll with this guy. But, uh, you know, he made it the best possible and uh, he really affected myself and uh, and my training partner, Craig, at that day. So uh, we learned a ton. Yeah, and Craig's got a deadly head and arm choke. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if that's where you learned it from, it was a good day for Craig. His uh, head and arm choke is insane. But, uh, thanks for the question. Yeah, if you have a question, uh, send us a. Uh, the question at bjjbrick at gmail.com or you could message it to us on our Facebook page and we'd be happy to throw it in here and, and kind of uh, bat it around a little bit and see what we come up with. Guys, I had a, I had a fun time talking with you guys today and uh, thank you, Craig, for the interview. Um, it's definitely a topic I had kind of uh, written off in, in Jiu-Jitsu. It's like I didn't need it and it also kind of hurt. <laughs> so open my eyes to that and uh, thank you for that. So until then, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Train hard, train smart, get better, guys. We'll see you on the mats. You can probably wash your cup, too, Gary. I could. Gary's like, why? I'm the only one that uses it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu.